0: Well, good morning. So glad that you're here with us today. Welcome to Village Park Church. If this is your first time, we are so glad that you're joining us on our live stream today. Take a moment, uh, if you would, just like this uh, video or maybe share it. Invite your friends to come and be a part of it. We're going to open the Word together today and hear what God has to say to us. I, I've been really excited to share some news with you last week as a part of our Good Friday service. We had an amazing time together and. I got a text message from one of our church members right after that who shared with me that her daughter had placed her faith in Jesus Christ. And I got another message last week from someone, a friend of mine, that was asking about baptism. And then I got another message from someone that wanted to talk about what it means to be a part of the church. And receiving lots of messages and, and texts from people just saying what this service and what these messages have meant to you. And it was just a reminder to me that in the midst of all this chaos that God is still at work. In fact we've been studying in the book of Philippians and our series title is Calm in the Chaos and with all the madness that's going on around us we can have the peace of God and today I want to share with you uh, from the Word of God what Paul felt about his life and about Jesus Christ and in, in Philippians chapter 1 I want us to read where we were a few weeks ago before Easter Sunday in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 and to kind of catch you up in context Paul is writing from house arrest in Rome. And so there's a lot of uncertainty about what's gonna happen in his life, but he says something in verse 21 that I think is such a powerful uh, testimony. It's such a powerful statement. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul knew that just like I shared with you a moment ago that God is always at work. God is at work all around us at all times, everywhere. He works in our hearts and he works in the hearts of other people. And Paul said that no matter what happens for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. So he knew that no matter what would happen, God was going to take care of him, that God was in control, that God was going to be at work in his life. And that's in fact what he saw God doing and that everything that God would allow to happen in Paul's life would happen for a reason. And that reason was to further the gospel, to get the good news about Jesus out to those around him. And I just wonder, have you ever had a situation in your life where you felt like it was not a a win-win situation, but it was really like no matter what you did, you were going to lose, that no matter what choice you made, that everything was stacked against you and that you had no hope of winning in that. It's never that way with God. And Paul reminds us of that in verse 21, that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul was very secure in his relationship with Christ, and he knew that because Christ lived in him and he had placed his faith in Jesus, that he was a child of God. And that's why he said in, in chapter 4 and verse 13 that he could do all things through Christ who strengthens him, that whether he was, uh, you know, had plenty or he had nothing, that he could be content because he knew that God was at work and that God could help him through whatever situation he may face. This week was uh, my wife's birthday, and I have a confession to make to everybody that I was not as prepared for the birthday as I would have liked to have been. And but even then, with some of the plans that I had made, because some of the stores closed earlier than I expected, nothing went right. Nothing, nothing was right with, with what I had planned for a birthday. And so uh, I took my son Adam to the to the store, and we were going to buy mommy a birthday a birthday card. And so we were there, and you know, you kind of maybe have, have felt this before. You're trying to find the perfect card. You got to find the right picture you know do you want to do a humorous one do you want to do a serious one do you want flowers do you want ribbons I mean what does it need to say and it was so awesome to to go there with Adam because Adam helped me pick the card and he was very meticulous about reading every single word of the card and he would pick them out and there was one card that he picked out that that really was just this great moment and because of this I started recording him he was reading through the card and one of them said because no one takes care of me like you do and he looked up from the card and he said that's true. And it was just really sweet moment where Adam was reflecting upon Leslie and all that she does to care for him and and it made me think in that moment how secure Adam felt in his relationship with Leslie that our family is you know struggling with with making adjustments like all of us are at this time and yet in the midst of all that in the midst of all that he has peace because he knows that his relationship with his mom is secure And and even though he has that security in that relationship, there are times in his life when we have to correct him and we have to tell him, hey, look, you, you can't act like that or you need to act in this way. And that's exactly what we find Paul admonishing the Christians here as we continue the story in Philippians chapter 1. Paul was very secure in his relationship with God as those who are in Christ should be. But at times we need to be reminded, look, this is not the way that you need to be living. There needs to be a difference in your life. So let's continue after he says in verse 21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul writes this, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to, d- to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. Because at this point, Paul doesn't know if his life is going to be taking, taken. Taken his, his his He was on trial, essentially, for uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he didn't know if his life would end. And that's what he's saying, that, that if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, he goes on to say. So if I stay in the flesh, it means fruitful labor. But what I choose, I don't know, because it could be that I could leave this earth and be with Christ, and that's far better. But notice in verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you Again, and so although Paul had some uncertainty about exactly what was going to happen, he knew that no matter what would happen in his life, that he was confident that everything that God was going to do was for God's glory and for the furtherance of the gospel. And then Paul gets to this in verse 27, and this is where I want to focus today. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit In verse 27, Paul calls these Philippian believers to do something that is so profound and so so difficult and yet at the same time so rewarding. He says to them, he calls them to live lives that are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The idea here is to live live their lives in such a way that it is consistent with what we find when we read about the gospel of Jesus Christ. My youngest son, Adam, was... In a, in a basketball league this year, and one of the things that I teach when I'm coaching a, a sport is that whether we lose or, or we win, we do so graciously. I, I have this joke that I tell people, we don't play for fellowship, we play to win, and that's kind of been this big joke among my friends. But, but in reality, when we're playing, it's important for us when we win to, to win graciously, but, but also when we lose to do the same. And so our team had won uh, the basketball game that night, and we lined up to uh, shake hands, and as we were going along, one of the young men on my team was telling the other, kin, uh, the other team, uh, bad game, bad game, you lost, bad game, and right after that, I pulled him to the side, I didn't want to embarrass him, but I told him, look, as a part of this team, that's not the way that we're to act, I told you that we're going to win graciously and gracefully, and we're going we're gonna to lose the same way, and, and that's what we find in verse 27, that what Paul is saying is, as a Christian, there is a way that God has called us to live. And our lives should be consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, in your Bible, just turn a few pages to, the, to your left, to the book of Ephesians. And it's Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read just a couple of verses there. Paul, writing to those believers, said in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And he goes on to say that there's one body. The idea that Paul is is putting out there is that we are to live lives that are consistent with what God has called us to in the gospel. I want you to look there in those verses in Ephesians chapter 4 at these words humility and gentleness and patience. Bearing with one another in love and striving for unity and peace. And I want you to think about those words. And and just ask yourself the question Are these things evidenced in my life? Uh, Am I a gentle person? Or am I a person that tends to kind of fly off the handle? Am I a person of humility? Or is my pride more in the way more than I would like it to be? Am I a patient person? Or do I find myself kind of losing my patience or losing control? Am I willing to bear with others in love? Or do people annoy me when maybe they show a sign of weakness? What Paul calls us to in Philippians chapter 1 when he says to live our lives in a manner that's worthy of the gospel is that our lives would exhibit all of these godly qualities, humility and gentleness, patience and love for other people. I want you to think about that just for a moment and and just if you feel comfortable with this, maybe in the comments, maybe some of those words that you struggle with, maybe just write a prayer and to say, say to the Lord, Lord, help me to be humble. Help me to to be gentle when when I feel like going into a rage or help me to be patient with those that I really struggle with maybe you could write a prayer out and we could come alongside you with that because the truth is all of us in our lives struggle at times and Paul reminds us look as children of God this is the way that I want you to act this is the kind of life that I want you to live look again at verse 27 he says a life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ well what is the gospel of Christ if we're called to live lives that are worthy of the gospel, we need to find out, well, what exactly is that? Well, the gospel is simply this, that all of us have sinned before God. In fact, Romans chapter 5, the verse that we studied in on Good Friday, tells us that we were sinners, that we were ungodly, that we were the enemies of God. And yet God and His great love for us, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3 and verse 16 says that God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus didn't love us when we were lovable. He loved us when we were unlovable. He didn't come to us when we first came to him. He came to us in our time of need and he met that need. And Paul reminds us that we're to live lives that are consistent with and worthy of that gospel that has saved us. So just ask yourself this question, is my life, really consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here are some questions that might help you unpack that a little bit. Are you more about yourself than you are other people? Are you forgiving? Are you more prone to hold grudges? Are you more, more worried about the economy opening back up so that you can get back to work and have a job than you are your neighbor across the street who may be struggling with anxiety or depression or guilt or whatever it may be. They may be struggling with peace. Are you worried more about yourself than you are other people? Are you loving? Are you the kind of person that holds grudges against other people? Is your life consistent or worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The phrase here implies that all of us can be guilty of living lives that are inconsistent with the gospel of Christ, and we might try to mask it in some way. We may try to portray that we are living that way, but God really knows who we are. I heard the story told of a prosecuting attorney in a small town, and they were at the courthouse, and he called his first witness. It was an elderly woman, and she came to the stand, and he approached her, and he asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she responded, "Why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy, and frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat, you manipulate people, you talk about them behind their backs, and you think that you're a rising big shot, but you haven't the brains to realize that you will never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. And the lawyer obviously was stunned. Not knowing what else to do, he pointed across the room and asked Mr. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? And she replied, well, of course I do. I've..." know Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster too. I used to babysit him and he too has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy and he's bigoted. The man can't build a normal relationship with anyone and his law practices is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know Mr. Bradley. And at that point, the judge wrapped uh, the gavel and wrapped the courtroom to silence and she called both of the lawyers up to the bench and in a very quiet voice, she whispered to them, if either of you ask her if she knows me, I'll hold you both in contempt of court. And the truth is, is that, you know, God knows the real us. And he knows if we're living a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you living a life that is worthy of the gospel? We're not called to put up a front and put on a a show for people. But we're called to live genuine Christian lives that are known to be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a saying that we use often that you can't judge a book by its cover. But the reality is we can judge our lives and whether we're being sincere by the fruit of our lives and what we see evidence in our lives. Are we humble? Are we walking in humility? Are we being gentle? Are we being kind? Are we being patient? Is our life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has saved us? And as followers of Jesus, Paul reminds us this is the way that you're supposed to live. Yes, we can be secure in our relationship with Christ, but also understand that God expects us to live in a certain way. And in the following verses, Paul gives us three qualities I want to share with you briefly about what it means to live a life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. The first one is found in Philippians 1 and verse 27. The verse that we've been studying, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Standing firm in one spirit is one of the qualities of a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we find really two things in that definition. The first one is a call to unity as the body of Christ with other believers to live in unity with them. But he says also a second part to have unity with conviction, to stand firm in that unity. My wife and I saw a movie recently called The Last Full Measure, and it tells the story uh, of a U.S. Air Force pararescueman, and his name was William And on, on April 11, 1966, he was killed while defending a position from an enemy attack in the, in the Vietnam War. What's amazing about the story is that he'd been dropped in there, and these guys that he was defending were not even really a part of his immediate unit. But he saw them being overrun and he stayed there to defend them. And there were a lot of opportunities where the choppers would come back and he had an opportunity to leave. But he stood his ground and he stood firm against attack after attack from the enemy. And that's the idea that I, that I see when Paul uses that phrase to stand firm. That man's gallantry saved 60 men's lives and he was awarded the Medal of Honor uh, after he had passed away. And that's what it means to stand firm. It means to be unflinching and unyielding firmly planted and not giving up ground, saying, this is not something that I'm going to be willing to uh, give up on. Unity is written throughout this passage. In verse 27, he says, one spirit, one mind, side by side. In chapter two and verse two, he mentions being of the same mind and having the same love and a full accord and one mind. And we're going to study more of that next week. But the first quality that we see of a life that's worthy of the gospel is a life that stands firm in unity with other believers but also in verse 27 we see the second quality he says striving together striving together side by side do you see it there for the faith of the gospel striving is a word that we would use to describe someone in an athletic competition and it means to strain with everything that you are years ago i went on my first hike we backpacked out in in uh in Arkansas and went with uh, my brother-in-law and his brother and a friend of ours. And we had just this amazing time uh, just camping out in the wild and backpacking throughout uh, the park there. And I remember looking back at that moment on the first day we got lost. And so there was a little bit of trepidation that we had whether we, we would be able to get out at, at the end of the trail in time because there was some bad weather that was predicted to come. And on that last day especially, I remember as we, we had a lot of hiking to do, Man, our our bodies were hurting. We were straining. We were pressing on. We had some mountain crossings. We had to cross a river. And I just remember that that the way I felt as we were going there is that I was a part of a team. Even though we were individually walking and hiking in the wilderness, we were a part of a team. And sometimes we would hold each other's pack as they crossed the river. We would help each other across, or whatever it would be. We would encourage. And that's the idea that Paul says here that that we should be living, striving together side by side for the faith of the gospel. Shoulder to shoulder, the image that I get is sometimes maybe you've, you've been a part of this or you've seen it on, on the news when there's a flood that's happening or a flood that's predicted and they know it's going to happen to a certain area. And especially in some of the rural areas, you'll, you'll see these neighbors and relatives all coming together and they form a line from a truck down to their house and they've got sandbags, And they're just passing it down the line, one sandbag after the next. And the last guy is placing them there to kind of create a dam around someone's house to protect it from the flood. And that's the idea, the the image that comes to mind when Paul says striving together side by side for the faith of the gospel. And what I see there is that it's important for someone who's living a life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ to be connected to the Lord's Church, and to be connected with other Christians in the body of Christ. For many of you, we've been so happy that you've connected with us in this time, and and we can see that God is at work and even forcing us to go online, and we've just seen some amazing connections that have formed not only with people in our immediate community, but around the state and the country, people just... Kind of coming together and what i want to encourage uh, you to do is is to be a part and be connected to the body of christ we cannot strive together if we're standing alone and what i found about a lot of people and, and a lot of christians is that many people stand at arm's length when it comes to the church and maybe some of that is because they've had bad experiences when they were kids some would say well it's not really important i can worship god on the beach just as well as i can Uh, in a church service or a church building and yes you can worship God but you cannot fulfill what Paul calls us to in verse 27 you cannot strive together arm in arm if you're holding the church at arm's length And, and I want to encourage you to connect with the church in fact we we'd love to connect with you on a deeper level we would love for you to connect and be a part of our church Listen, these are uncertain times, but this is a moment for us to strive together as a part of the body of Christ. And so we normally kind of do this at the end of the service, but I want to encourage you right now. Look, if if Village Park and the ministry and the message and the connection that we feel has meant something to you, we want to encourage you right now, just take your phone and text the word CONNECT to 24587. Or if you'd like to connect with our church in some other way, maybe you have a prayer request or you have just some questions about our church. We would love to connect with you on a deeper level. If you'd take a moment to text the word connect to that number, or maybe even just write the word connect uh, in the comments, or if you're not comfortable with that, maybe shoot us a message on Facebook, or you can send us an email at info at villagepark.church. We would love to connect with you. We, we really believe one of the things that we say at our church is that relationships are the front door of the gospel that we believe in relationships. And they're the most important thing for us. As being a part of the body of Christ and striving together is being a part of something bigger than yourself. I remember in November of 2018 that our house flooded from an upstairs bathroom over, overflowing and, and running downstairs and it, it was just a mess. And I remember coming home that day and just shooting a message to some of my friends, hey look, this is going on. Can you guys come help us? And within 30 minutes, an hour, had 10, 15 guys standing in my garage saying, what do you need me to do? That's what it's like to be connected and to be a a part of the body of Christ. And, And then just not too long after that, those same men that were here helping me in my time of need We went to the mission field in Honduras and together we built a water well in a city. We were striving together for the gospel. We went there to build this water well and to share the gospel with that community and to give them not only fresh water, but to give them living water that's found in Christ. And I love those brothers. We strive together for the gospel. When there's a need that arises, we try to help them meet that need. But when we see needs with others, we we work together and we strive together for the sake of the gospel and for the faith of the gospel One of the things if you've been watching some of the presidential briefings on the coronavirus, uh, one of the statements that that you'll hear the phrases that's often repeated is that Americans are ready or they can't wait to get back to work. And I understand that many people have been laid off and maybe that's you as well. And we're eager to kind of get back to normal. But listen, we still have work to do even now. The striving together for the faith of the gospel is is in line with what we see in God, that God is not taking this season off. God is not taking this time off, that we have an opportunity right now to strive together for the sake of the gospel. Uh, One of my mentors, I went through a a training program years ago, uh, used to say that we don't want to waste any storm. And what he meant by that, he, he referenced in Hurricane Ike in 2008 when it came through Houston, and knocked out power to millions of people in the city that for a week, what happened was neighbors were outside in their driveway and they were grilling all their food for each other because they knew their refrigerators weren't going to have power and they were going to lose all that. And you had this amazing moment of camaraderie and people were coming together and sharing together. But then after the electricity came back on, after everything kind of got back to normal, they went back to isolation driving back into their driveway, pulling their car in the garage and closing the door behind them and not having really interaction. And in, in my prayer in this coronavirus and this time, is that we would strive together for the sake of the gospel, that we would not waste this storm, that we would see the opportunities that are in front of us and share the gospel with those who are hurting and suffering. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder, even if we have to keep six feet apart, for the sake of the gospel for those who are hurting. And so we encourage you, if you know someone that's hurting and maybe you can't meet that need, reach out to us. We would like to come alongside you and work with you and strive together for the sake of the gospel. The third quality that we find is found in verse 28. Let's continue as Paul writes here in this passage. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The third quality is to suffer with courage. I was talking with someone recently who was striving to live for Christ and trying to live, but the word that she kept using was the word fear. And many of us run into difficulty and opposition in our lives, and the first thing that we feel is fear. But notice what Paul says in verse 28, "...and not frightened in anything by your opponents." God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The promise of God is that he is with us always, that no matter where we are, no matter what we're up against, no matter what we're being persecuted for, no matter what we're suffering through, that God is with us. Uh, Before I hurt my ankle last year, I used to play in this league, and sometimes we would show up for the game and be warming up, and you'd look across to the other side of the court, and you'd you'd notice how big some of their guys are and how, how really good their basketball team looked. And sometimes I would feel intimidated by that, but then I remembered something. We have a guy on our team named Terrence that's an amazing basketball player. And when I feel like the opponent may be better than us, I have to remember, nope, we got big T on our team. And that's what I see here and what Paul is saying. More powerful than any person in the universe is the God that we serve, and he is with us. And so Paul reminds us, don't be fearful when we face opposition, when we have adversaries in our lives. Our God is with us. The other team cannot beat us. And so there's no reason to fear in the midst of our struggle. But notice in verse 29, Paul says something that I think is interesting. He says that it's been granted unto you, not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer. Think about your suffering for a moment. And although although the struggle is difficult in the moment, you will see on the other side how God brought you through it. But what Paul says to those believers is that suffering is a gift from God. That it is a gift that God gives to us to suffer for his sake. And the gift is that on the other side of the suffering, we will look back and we will see the graciousness and the love and the compassion and the care of our God and that nothing is impossible, nothing is too great for him. And in verse 30, Paul reminds these believers of their past victories. You'll find Paul's first interaction with the Philippians in Acts chapter 16. And I referenced this a few weeks ago. But while he was there in Philippi preaching the gospel, he was arrested. And the people gathered to pray for them. And there was this you know, amazing difficult moment that they all walked through together. And he says in verse 30, He reminds them that you're engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had. You remember what it was like when I was with you in Philippi and I was in prison. And he says, and now you hear that I'm in prison again. Paul reminds them of their past victories because the past victories in their lives prove that God is able to deliver them. In Acts chapter 16, you'll remember that as Paul and Silas were there in prison in Philippi, they began to worship the Lord and the walls of the prison shook and a man came to faith in Christ and God released him from that prison in this amazing, miraculous moment. And what what Paul is saying is that when we face suffering, when God grants us the gift to be able to suffer for the sake of Christ, he reminds them, God has been with you in the past, God has delivered you in the past, and he's able to do it again. But regardless of what happens... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. So God calls us to live a life that's worthy of the gospel. Three qualities. The first one is standing firm in unity with the body of Christ. So ask yourself just a couple of questions today What can I do to promote unity in the church? Or how can I stand firm in unity? How can I be a part of bringing the body of Christ together to secondly strive together for the f- faith of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel? I want to encourage you to connect with our church. We would love to hear from you. We would love to have a deeper connection with you, for you to be a part of this congregation, even if right now the only way that we can assemble is online or even going forward if that's the only way. We would love for us to, for, for us to maintain this connection with you, to stand with you and strive together together. For the faith for the sake of the gospel. Uh, Village Park when we first started uh, had a family that had to move away because of a job and and recently they heard of some outreach efforts that we were doing and even though they don't live in the city he called me and said look I'd like to be a part of that I'd like to sponsor uh, what you're doing there. He wanted to strive together for the sake of the gospel even though there was some distance between us. So what can you do to stand shoulder to shoulder with the body of Christ And strive together to share the hope of Jesus Christ. And the third quality was to suffer with courage, knowing that suffering is a gift that God grants to us. He allows us to suffer so that we can be reminded of the past victories and that what we're going through right now will one day be a past victory, that God is gonna take us through it. So let me ask you are you trusting God in the midst of this chaos? Do you have calm in the midst of this storm that you're walking through? Are you really trusting God? Are you facing your struggles with courage? Are you feeling more fear? You need to be reminded today, you're a child of God. And just like Adam standing in that Kroger aisle looking at those cards was reminded when he read those words about his mom that no one in the world takes care of us like her. And he said, that's true. You need to be reminded today that you're a child of God. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been adopted into God's family. And because of that, you can be secure in that relationship that to live is Christ and to die is gain and that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so in the meantime, whether you live or you die, whatever the outcome may be, to live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to stand firm in unity, to strive together for the sake of the gospel and to suffer with courage, knowing that God is able to help you overcome. Will you join me for prayer? Father, it's difficult in times like this to always understand what you're doing. But we've been reminded today from your word that as your children, that you love us and that you care for us. And the cross is the greatest evidence of that. And we thank you today for the cross of Jesus, that Jesus on the cross died to pay the price for my sins. And he was buried and he rose again in victory on the third day to overcome. And I pray that today, Lord, as we face our struggles, that you would help us to live lives that are worthy of the gospel of Christ, to stand firm with conviction and unity in the body of Christ, to strive together, not live in isolation, but to reach out and be connected with others and strive together and work together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and help us to suffer with courage that no matter what we face, no matter how difficult things may be in the good times and the bad, to be content knowing that you are with us And that you take care of all of our needs. And we pray this to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you again for joining us today. Before we go, just a couple of quick things. I want to share one thing and then share a couple of stories of blessings. Excuse me. Um, The first one is we would love to connect with you. As I mentioned in the message, look, we love that you're gathering with us today. Uh, for those who are members of Village Park and those who are not, we're so glad that you're here with us. But if you don't have a church home, we would love to connect with you and, and to become that church home for you, that family for you to live with and to strive together for the sake of the gospel with. Take a moment, if you wouldn't mind, and just can, uh, text the word CONNECT to 24587 or, or write the word CONNECT in the comments. We would love to get back with you and see how we can uh, connect with you uh, for the sake of the gospel. And also, I want to just thank you so much, those who have given to Village Park. We we are just so blessed by your generosity, but not not just our church, but our community. I want to share a couple of things with you uh, that you may not know. Just recently, we heard of some missionaries that we support in India who were out sharing the gospel in some remote villages, and they were cut off uh, from returning home when the government shut the country down due to the coronavirus. And so they were cut off, couldn't get back home. And we, we received word about that, and I, I Texted or messaged the uh, Jim Coline, who is the stateside representative, and told me what the needs were, and it would cost about ninety-two dollars once the restrictions are lifted to to fly them back home. And talk to the elders about it. And we've decided that we are going to sponsor those airline tickets to get those those missionaries back home with their families. And I share that story with you because I want you to know that that's directly connected to your generosity. We're only able to do those things and help missionaries around the world because of your generous giving. And so I just want to say thank you for your generosity for giving to bless this community and to bless uh, people around the world. And so if you'd like to give and be a part of that, there are a lot of ways you can give. You can go to our website, villagepark.church give. You can also text an amount that you would like to give to 84321. You can also uh, mail it in if you'd like to do that. And you can go to the website and find that information. So if you'd like to give to support the ministry here, we encourage you to do that in the midst of all this. It takes great faith to continue to honor the Lord. And many of you have, and we want to thank you for that your generosity. It's not only impacting lives here, but lives around the world. And that's directly related to you being faithful in your giving. So I want to encourage you in that today. And also the last thing today, if you're not connected with a small group, we would love to get you connected on a deeper level with people so that you can be known and be loved and be cared for. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, simply comment the word small groups there. You can also find more information on our website. We would love to get you connected in that way. So we hope that you have a wonderful week this week. Have a blessed week. And we look forward to seeing you here again next Sunday. Until then, may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be blessed, my friends.